being a Claremont, I am just delighted to have the opportunity of publicising the fact that Clare has been chosen for the new uh, relay station by Telefis Ayrn for transmission to the Western Counties. Clare was chosen for its geographical and phys physical advantages, and I hope that they will prove that the selection was right. In Clare, we have much to give to the nation. We boast of one of the biggest reservoirs of Gaelic music, history, and folklore. And I hope that in time to come, that it will provide the basis of many programs for Telefis Earn. In the field of tourism, we boast of some of the finest coastal scenery with beautiful seasides like Kilkey, Lahinch, Milton Malbay, and the world famous Burn, the home of archaeologists and botanists. In the county, we have beautiful lakes and mountains which make a paradise for shooting, fishing, and hunting. And we have gained considerable fame in this respect. Now, Ennis is the capital town, and it is populated by a very charming people who are always glad to welcome people and to give, make them feel at home. And I hope that in the selection of Mahara, that I know that it will achieve the result envisaged and give beautiful reception and bring happy moments to many lonely homes in the west of Ireland. Now, that last piece was a piece um, by the chairman of Clare County Council in 1963, um, extolling the beauties and the the. the the, what would you say, the virtues, the virtues of, of County Clare. And of course, before that, we had Marion Purcell's absolutely beautiful uh, piece, My Hills of Clare. So if any um, tourist organisation out there wants to promote Clare in the near future, I suggest they use those pieces. But of course, um, Dermot Horne's piece also talks about Mahara, Mahara, and that's really why we're here today. So we've been joined now by Councillor, Finnefall Councillor Pat Hayes, and you're very welcome, Pat. Good morning. Morning. And we have Paul here, and we have Marion here, and they really are a group of people who are very close to um, Kilinena and the Maston Mahara, and we hand it over to you to tell us all about it. Paul, will you start there? Okay, um, I suppose I can't claim the same um, link that Marion and Pat can. I can only claim a 50% link, but it's a very important 50% to me in that my mother came from that country as well. Marion's piece there, um, it has stayed in my mind uh, ever since it was first broadcast back in 2019 because um, she talks about Belly Crown there. But all those townlands, and we're going to talk about the mast, Mahara, Lys, Belly Crown, Clonagrow, Leehurt. And it's a beautiful, beautiful hills and a beautiful valley down between, an extraordinary place. And I think it's often, it's the juxtaposition then of having this modern piece of infrastructure on that mountain there as well. And it is, and I don't, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, and she references it there in her piece, there is a very strong otherworldliness up there, a very strong sense of um, the fairies. 
uh, of that type of world up there. And it's a good way, in, in, in a very good way, mm -hmm. even like my own town and list. So in, put, in just thinking about that, I suppose it's probably the most significant um, piece of, I suppose, thing that we take for granted. If you travel from Mount Shannon to Ennis, and you look up to your to your right. You're going to see the twinkling light of of, of, the, of the mast in Mahara. One of the people we've interviewed on this has a little lamb um, piece where he can see it as he walks by Flannans in Ennis. You can see it from there. You go back out to Gart, you can see the whole thing there. So it's a it's probably the most significant but understated and important piece of infrastructure we actually have. I suppose it's worth bearing in mind that we all think about Ardna Crusha and 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 the. The building of the hydroelectric um, station there in 1920, the late 20s, and we have the Keating paintings and everything on that. But just 30 years later, then the whole project of creating a transmission network, of which Mahara was a part, um, was undertaken by the state as well, which is a, a significant thing because I suppose it it straddled Ireland then from the Ireland maybe of the old type of attitudes and brought in this new television with all its advantages and disadvantages yeah. and Mahara has played a huge part in that and has evolved as you said Geraldine at the start has evolved then as well from a telecommunications point of view over the years with local radio with telecommunications the whole thing so I think it's worthy of celebration both for the specific area and the, the thing itself. I was just thinking there, one of the things he didn't mention, and also which goes with the, the landmark of uh, as, uh, Mahara as a landmark, is that when we were growing up, we were told that you could see 13 counties from the top of Mahara. And when you think about it, when they put in Mahara, there was four booster stations put in. So there was one in Sligo, mm, one in Cork, right. one in Dublin and Mahara. That's right. And they all had to see each other. That's and right. they all had to communicate with each other. So the stretch of countryside is practically the whole country that mm -hmm. Mara covered. Yeah. Pat, what are your memories of uh, growing up and the presence of the mast? I suppose there's a, a long history to it, really. Um, I suppose a great year, the year I was born, 1963. Right. <laughs> oh. um, we'll all know when you're 60, so many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Approaching fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose there's a lot of history about Mahara before there was even a television mast in the yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's probably, in a sense, uh, where it starts, really, is that whole vast countryside and the, the description of Marion talked about Quran and Valley Crown and all that. Mahara was all that and probably more, to be right. quite honest with yeah, you, because yeah. it boasted uh, wonderful mountain lakes um, and it and views and everything. And I suppose one of the challenges we have when we look at all these things and Marion talked about the 13 counties, the difficulty would be to see any of them now because of the forestry and yes. all that. And I think while there was economic value in forestry, uh, it has left a trail of a certain destruction in terms of beauty and, and, and the environment. But I suppose going back on Mahara, Mahara was part of the Butler estate, uh, came from the Gart side. And I suppose with Car House and all that was kind of linked to that under that domain at that particular time. And Mahara was uh, like a lot of little places was kind of a small little farmers and people being moved from one part of the county and other parts of villages and I suppose settling in Mahara and all that. And in fact, we left Fetal originally ourselves. We were 
were evicted out of Fiegel and, and, and moved to Mahara and we were evicted out of Mahara and, and moved again. When they said to hell or to Connacht, you know <laughs> where they were meant. <laughs> we well, do you know what? It's an amazing story that we're here yes. today yes. talking about. Yes, absolutely. And, and I'll allude to it a bit again. Can I just ask you, who was the landlord at the time that would have owned, that, say, the tenant farmers would have paid... Who was that butler, landlord? Butler, oh, the butler, butler estate. And did he live in Cahir House? No, uh, no, they agent's lived in Down. That was an, sorry, that was an agent's house. Yeah, oh, an agent's it? house. Cahir House was the Dwyer, Grogan O'Dwyer's. Okay. Yeah. Paddy O'Dwyer's, and they were uh, connections with Kilrush as well. Okay. The mo- and uh, they, they, they were kind of the the, the local. Now look at, um, I suppose, Butler probably hadn't huge value in Mahara because Mahara isn't what you call uh, a land that would fatten cattle. (laughs) But there was value in it at at that time because no more than what we're at with the Kurukai Lambush, one of the main things for them that time was hunting and fishing and all that. And my grandfather, Quillen Hayes, was was Martin Hayes was his name. Uh, And he, he, he was, I suppose, the caretaker of Mahara in a sense, he was the kind of herdsman in, in Mahara, and he was taking graziers. Uh, graziers is the word I never really fully explained, but it was people on short-term grazing rights to the mountain during the summer, and it was operated, and my grandfather was kind of the manager of that at that particular time. He was also used to look after the lakes as well, and I always remember the story of Lord... He used to have to feed the fish in the, in the small lake for Lord Lincolnfield. That title still exists as an MP in London. Right. Uh, and the gentry would arrive and of course Quillen would have to have he was known as Quillen and yeah. uh, he'd have to did you know you never knew him Marion no I, presume, I didn't but it no. was he was he died uh, around that time 1963 as well actually yeah. I think um, but uh, he, uh, he his job was to look after the area and, and at, at that particular time and it was uh, sure look it was against their will really but it was the only thing to do in the area at the time yeah. it wasn't wasn't in their DNA to be actually supporting the British, maybe? But look, yeah. at, that was the that was the time yeah. that they were in, and I suppose that's where they were. They had a small little farm on the tops of the hills, and they had the right to to keep a, a cow, a couple of cows, and they'd have to give the bull calves to the to the landlord. And uh, sure, my father, yeah, yeah, my father, life, my yeah. father told me the story coming back yeah. from school, where all the the cattle were being marched down the road over to Brody's Pound. Yeah. That's where uh, Eamon Moroni wants a house there. Yeah, Brody's yeah, yeah. Brody's yeah. a well-known house, yeah. actually. And they were impounded there. My father was coming home from National School in Duglown and he begged him to um, to return him and crying uh, to turn the cattle back mm. up. I think his father or Dee intervened and they came back after a few days, but there wasn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, my grandfather kind of then, I suppose, when the estate kind of all that kind of fell apart, really. My grandfather inherited the mountain, actually. Yeah. Not inherited, but was given the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a thousand and one thousand. I have the, I, I forgot, I meant to bring it down, actually, yeah. the deeds of the team. So we're talking after independence, yeah, are we? Yeah. That kind of, I, yeah. I must look back at yeah. this again, but. But he ended up getting it anyway, and they put high rates on him, oh. and and and, <laughs> and he ended up going up to the courthouse and in this one day. Was Please take it back. <laughs> well, well, the forestry service at that time took back five hundred acres of it, and they gave him ten pound coming out from the courthouse in Innes. Yeah. 
and the double the rates and the rest of it. So he was back again. He was back again. So it doodled away over all the years. Mahara disappeared. Yeah. But Your grandfather actually, it, it's, it, in, in doing a bit of research on this, yeah. It's a very interesting. There was an engineer. Um, story, just, do you know that story? I do, and yeah. I know, and that's I actually, and I actually know Noel Mulcahy fairly well. There was actually. a political connection there, I think. What was well, he involved it was, in politics? He was a well. senator after. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose I'll tell the story about yeah. Mahara, but I just wanted to give the background yeah. to Mahara yeah. where we were because yeah. Mahara and Liss and Cahar, they were all kind of intermingled. And indeed, this, I'll, I'll, I'll allude to this in a few minutes because <laughs> <laughs> it might be a debatable issue, but it doesn't matter Why at this stage to any of us. My father, of course, were always playing music, Paddy Kenny and them, and mm. Kiran McMahoney used to come and record music. And I think Kiran, they were in RT, were looking for a site for Mahara. And I think that's the way it started out, uh, that Kiran said, sure. God, there's a place up there. I'm often recording it up to high up on the mountain. He says high up on the mountain, and Kiran uh, told Noel Mulcahy, and Noel Mulcahy uh, came out to investigate. Look they the had their investigations done anyway, and it, like a lot of good people, they had they had already. But on the day or two they came to visit, uh, Quillen was sitting in the corner, and PJ was sitting as a scout up to, up through the mountain, up to top of Mahara. That's a hard pull now mm-hmm. for anyone who would know it. Like it's yeah. not, it's not an easy trek through a mountain, and up to the top of it, and they investigated all of it, and. Came back. I think your grandfather like, then, the, 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 he, Noel had the wrong name for the mountain. Was he calling it Aukenish? Aukenish. Which was your grandfather then put him right when they came back down with your father. Well, they came back down and, and, they, and they were by the open fire um, in 1963. And I suppose when you think of life, that type of life at that particular time, my, my father had married in 1961. My mother was there and they had Martin. My grandmother... My grandfather and my, my uncle yeah. were all in the yeah. were all in the house yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. They were all Liam, you yeah. remember them all. Do, yeah. They were all in the house together, like. And the new woman was my mother, like so. She was yes. looking after them all. Mm. So arrived into the house and, and all. Did, did, no, did she have to wait till an aunt moved uh, till her sister moved out? And <coughs> well, did she the, married and then well, was able to move? Well, I suppose the day that Pedro got married, he married Peggy. Yeah. And Paddy Kenny married Philomena, who was yeah. my who was my aunt yes. and was a double wedding yeah. Yeah. which is an unusual thing in, inside in uh, in the cathedral in Innes actually I think yeah. they're a double wedding so that was my mother stepped out and her sister yeah. my yeah. sister-in-law stepped out yeah. so I stepped in and she stepped out again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that but it was and think about it it was only 1961 but uh, they, they decided on they, they sat down and had a chat and uh, oh, we're going to go up to organisation we're going to change all this sort of thing he was mm. telling the Martin Hayes, my grandfather, the Quillen. The Quillen said, that's always known as Mahara around here. and turned known as anything else. And if it isn't, Trumpy, Trumpy changed now either. He says. <laughs> now, I suppose it could be looked at as Irish names, re- re- really, and as, uh, if the truth of the matter is that Lisa almost came in above where Mahara is into the corner uh, uh, and part of this is yeah. in the boundary of, of Mahara, and somebody might even yeah. say, argue mm, to this day, yeah. that Lis was even the highest point. Uh, mm. But but it is it is it is on the on the on the board because this almost oh, yeah. touches yeah, touches. Uh, so RT went off, of course, which is great. It's a pity we have more people like it can do things. They went off and they, they they made sure that every map and every place was registered locally. They'd done all the work for all the farmers locally, 
and I don't know whether you've seen the clip there of the building of it. Yes. Yes. And RT, oh, and, yeah. and, and it really tells of a time. Yeah. Uh, and I sp- often spoke to Tony Mack and uh, and the King and a lot of the people who were working up there. There was an amount of people yeah. sent up there, Holly McGrath and all of them, mm-hmm. going up from Fecals, right? And they all had work building a road up to it, and old tractors and nothing tractors and. We have a little a interview with right. yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. on that, just exactly. Well, we can, we, we'll do the little one about the building of the, the as Pat all just road, talked about, yeah. the building, of, which I suppose brings us to the start, yeah. before you could actually put all that infrastructure up yeah. on top of the mountain, you had to get up to the mountain, as Pat says, yeah. that's a fair actually, pull up to that mountain. Actually, funny thing I never know, I can never remember, I never heard of in my in all my life, is was there any payment for this? I've never heard that actually, now when I think about it. Did they ever get a payment for it? I don't know. Peter Conwell's picture of the, of of the, of the, of the yeah, yeah. Look at that, that that little piece. Now this man, <laughs> he was insistent. I have to say that he, an absolute gentleman, but insistent on anonymity. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, but anyway, so that's. But it's a, he gives a lovely. This is only a part of his interview. We did it above and fecal the other night, and. There's a, we, well, t- to say to listeners, we will be putting the whole research up on a podcast, on a proper podcast with all. We can't cover everything here today. We, we, we have a lot of stuff. But we just a, a flavour of, of, yeah. of, of some of the opinions and some of the experiences of um, working on Mahara. We're here in Fecal today and we're going to have a talk about the subject we're dealing with, and that's Mahara. I have a man here who had a bit of work up there at the time itself. Um, would you tell me how you got on there or when you started? We started the 1st of March, 1961. And the first work was? The first work was in the making of the road. That was a big job. It was fairly. Well, there was an, a road there originally, a forestry road. It was only to improve that, that is, and widen it. And, and did the road at that time go the whole way to the top of Mahara Mountain, where the television mast no, is now? No, no. Was all the wood up there after you went up about a mile, something over a mile, and it was an old road then. And the old road, did you have to widen that, or was it okay as it was? Oh, they widened it and improved it, it wasn't wide enough. Yeah, it was only an ordinary forestry road. Yeah. Lorry's able to walk and down. And the last section of it then, a very steep, up to the mast itself, up onto the mountain, very steep. How did you work that? In 1961 now, we we didn't have the same machinery that we have today with four-wheel drive tractors and big dump trailers. They um, they brought a load and shovel. Council brought a load and shovel. And they cleared some of it. But it wasn't a real success. And a lot of it was dug out of it by hand. By hand? Yeah, because it was, it was very sticky, it wasn't real bog. Yes. That you could cut out of it. It was muddy and it was, you would get stuck inside of it. So up along that final hill, dug out by hand, and stuff brought up then to dress a road, to make a road? There was timber cut in in the wood. The trees were laid across the road. For a foundation? Yeah. And then made a bad job of that too in the beginning. They went doing too much of it. 
and driving up over the trees and they were up sitting them again. Yes. And they had to be taken up again. So you were learning as you were going along? That's so right. Yeah. So it saved them in a section so much and put stones in and again. But they didn't do that well. No. So how long were you at that job then, so all in all? Five. Uh, how long did the work take? We were in trouble around the 12 months. To get that road ready? Yeah. And the stuff to dress, to make a final dressing on the road, where did that come that, from? That came down from the top. Right. There was a very fine store and above in the very top. So you were able to come down to dress the road finally? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Just to put the finishing touch to it. But then, of course, it was chipped and tarred. And in later times? Yeah. Well, at that, at that stage. Oh, it was chipped and tarred, leading up to when they were going to build the mast on it. That's right. That's right. Can I just say something about that, Paul, yeah. for a minute? Yeah. Uh, because it, it was a huge curiosity in the area, and to hear the people talking about it. So they, so they talked about the height of it, for one thing, and the fact that the lorries could only bring up a half load of gravel yeah. because this, the, the ascent was so high that a full load wouldn't be, the, the lorries couldn't pull up in it. They, they talked to the loading shovel, which filled, uh, they had brought in a tie, some type of a mixer on a turntable. Yeah. And the loading shovel was able to, to put the, the stuff into the mixer so that it could be, because otherwise they'd have to do it by hand. You have to remember that. I remember them talking about the trees and that they're cutting the rows of trees and letting them fall across the road. But one of the big problems was, because it was a bog, so if the hole filled with water, it had to be refilled, as it were. But also, the type of bog it was, was that overnight the, the, the bog would itself would fill in because mm. it, it was sticky and it was, it was gra moving in all the time in yeah. to, as it was close up the scar that was being made. Yes. So they had huge engineering problems. Yeah. Well, it, 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 in speaking there to, to, on, on that one there, it, the understatement... I, I, Pat talked about the drag up, and you talk about it there, Marion, as well, and, and we're trying to describe it for people that mightn't. But it, it was a serious piece of work. Now, they just, that's what you had to do when you did it, digging out a section of that road by hand to be able to kind of put down, or, you know, digging out a part of the mountain by hand um, so, so that you could put down a road afterwards. Um, it was a, it was it was a significant piece of work. Now, what you there's a lovely little piece, and Pat talked about it there as well. It's, and we might, maybe might get a link up on this as well at the end. Um, an, an old RTE report from 1963. He kind of the the, the, the reporter goes around all the the, the sites, including Mahara, and up on top they're up in Mahara, and they're still um, putting in the big anchor points with mm. the concrete. And just exactly as you describe it there, now it is a tough place to work in at that time of the year and we might hear it in the interview later on and it was in that interview with that man there as well there was an extremely bad winter of um 62 63 eight or ten weeks of snow um made the whole thing really difficult um to actually just get up and going um but it also gave employment. Well, the, well, I say it was the, yeah. the big major That's employment right. in the area at the time, really. Well, the forestry, to a certain extent, had yeah. brought in some people. But not only did it give employment, but it gave, um, say, for households that had a room, or even if they didn't have a room at the time, they could have moved in. And, you know, yeah. so that when the workers came to stay... That's right. And there was one there was one element of it as well that I, I don't fully understand by is that 
that um, one of the drivers, he'd have to go to Limerick to collect the engineers at different times. And that will be mentioned. There was a lot of, of things that we can't nearly grasp now, really. Yeah, yeah, and right. it isn't that long ago. <laughs> you see, the thing about it is that, I suppose, the route that, uh, that my father and Norman Cahill went up to pick, if you went out the back of our house, it's probably a more direct route. It mightn't have the same. But having to go through farms and go through mm. that, that yeah. decline, they had to use the existing forestry route uh, up, uh, which is grand to a point till you got to the last. Mm. Uh, but if you actually, I suppose I, we'll never forget it really, it became a tourist attraction and the boys would be sent to bring all the visitors that come to our place to walk to the top of Mahara, and we'll, so we'll never forget, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll never forget <laughs> that point of it, uh, because it wasn't it wasn't what you'd call, we, it was grand force, but you get very fed up, yeah. bring them up to Mahara and have see Mahara. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you look at the actual geographic element of how the road has been built over mm. and other, and then it comes to this big yeah. Yeah. critical point, uh, I spoke to Tony Mack a number of times about the people. They were the tractors, they were the people, the king, and all mm. them were the contractors yeah. with yeah. the tractors and the no-fill tractors. Yeah. There was no big four-wheel drives that time. Know, and yeah. many of the time, the tractor ran on them. And indeed, uh, as I said, Holly McGran, a number of them have alluded to me of the history of their area and how that actually happened. Because uh, it was frightening, really, going up in the middle of a winter and trying to be above yeah. the top of Mahara, like, you know, there's a different climate. Uh, we're actually, I, we're, we're not that high up where we are ourselves, and it is a different climate yeah. uh, when you come to the top of Quran, uh, yeah. across from there down. Uh, when you start climbing from Magoon, Glendary, up to, to Mahara and down, when you start to go to Cahar, mm. we, we'd have snow and yeah. frost when you yeah. wouldn't have it anywhere yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sure. very disadvantaged. And it's, as Paul said, that was a particularly harsh winter, the, the That's right. 62, yeah. 63 yeah. winter Just was... Was very oh, harsh. We have another interview yeah. that yeah. you did with yeah. the, the engineer. This is from an engineer that I just know um, that actually a Kerry man trained in Dublin and ended up working in Mahara as for a significant part of his career, travelling in and out from Limerick. Um, we just got a little interview with him as well. Again, it's just a part of the interview we have with yeah. him as well. Um, interesting as well. I'm here by Mick Looney, um, a Kerry man living in Limerick, but with a great connection to the subject we're dealing with today up in Mahara. Mick, could you give us a brief outline what that connection is? Well, I, I was in the building and the installation of the first transmitters. Uh, four technical people came to Mahara on the first week in October 1962. There were no masts or no links or anything, so all that was there was that the building was complete. So... Uh, Every other uh, transmitter, four other transmitters, were installed by Pi. But uh, the one in Mahara was a band one Marconi transmitter. Uh, Pi didn't do band one and the uh, frequency locations that time put a band one transmitter in the west of Ireland uh, that would be furthest away from interference from the continent, etc. So the four of us uh, started to install the sound and vision transmitters under the supervision of a Marconi engineer. Uh, we all had ex-post office experience, so we had no difficulties. And we had the transmitters installed by Christmas. But the microwave link was supplied by the transmitter, which brought the signals from Dublin to the transmitter. And we had no aerials, no transmit aerials, no receive aerials. 
and urgency arose in that the uh, powers that be wanted the transmitter in Cork on the air on Mullaghanish for Christmas. And the only way they could get it on the air was to get a direct signal from Kapoor uh, into Mahara, off air as we used to call it, and feed that into the Mahara transmitter on a very low power, on a very temporary aerial tied to the end of the building. Tied to the end of tied the building at that stage. Exactly. So that worked and our Mullaghanish got on the air for, this was all black and white by the way, for Christmas 62. So during all that then the uh, builders were finished, with, there were a Norwegian crew uh, erecting the mast, which was a 300 foot mast. And that was behind schedule a bit. So the uh, RT civil engineers built with the builders uh, kind of a temporary mast to hold half the transmit aerials. And we went on the air then into those about February 63. And uh, by degrees then the main mast was built and a gang, a two-man gang of German engineers came to install the transmit aerials. And so they installed half of them on the new mast when it was completed. And the post office was supplying the links which brought the signals from Dublin. And Stepped we, across the country. From Chrysard to Kilduff across to Mahara. Kilduff was just over Killaloo up there and the high ground over Killaloo. Tontina and that area. Tontina, exactly. And uh, all came together and we were on the air then in March 62 on the temporary half aerial and the other half was being erected on the main mast and uh, by degrees then we changed over to the half on the main mast and the half that was on the scaffolding was put up on the mast. So we were on half power on the main mast for four or five months. And then we were on full power and the links into Mahara at about May 63. Right. So just to be, it was a very, te- like I've heard somebody talk about it. We had the famous, I suppose, iconic piece of national infrastructure out the road here with Arden across it. But this was probably the second biggest um, technological project or big national project, this creation of a network of television. And you're saying there, by the time you came to Mahara, it was all the Irish engineers that are basically, from an electrical point of view or an electronic point of view, had kind of built up the expertise and were able to put this in place, didn't have the, the outside consult- consultants, the pie people. So you really took this on yourselves at this point. Yeah, well, uh, uh, pie couldn't supply it, you see. Pie had a contract and they installed the, the four other stations, Kipur, Trustmore, Mount Leinster and Mullaghanish. And uh, they hadn't, they wouldn't supply band one transmitters and it was the band one transmitters that was required for Mara. So Marconi supplied that, but RT decided then that the intake of new recruits for the transmitters would install it themselves. So you were a new recruit at this point? Uh, uh, yeah, I joined RT from the post office 
on the 1st of July, 62. And straight into this and project we in Mara. We went into Montrose for, until the first week in October, and we were straight down to Mahara. What was that like now in October 1962, Well, Mountain? Uh, it was bleak, and we got the very worst fall of snow since, in, uh, from December to March 63. We had to walk up to the transmitter several times. You walk up from the road? From, from the road up, because we couldn't uh, get uh, the car up, the Land Rover. Land Rover couldn't even uh, make Land Rover with four-wheel drive and chains couldn't even make it. So it was a baptism of fire. We hardly ever got it since, or maybe once or twice that you'd walk up. But on that occasion it lasted for about 12 weeks. So what did you feel about well, this newfangled television at that stage we delivered to the people of Ireland? We was were, it worth it? Was we it going to be wondering worth it? what we left ourselves in for. We didn't pay much attention to it because... The post office, you see, were in different staffs at different times. and Some of us were in the jointing staff, and I was in the line staff, and I was on the railways down towards Bray. So we had a wide knowledge of yeah. the situation. So it all worked out very well. And but, uh, even, but you were still dealing with territory that hadn't been worked on before. It was, oh, yeah, it, it absolutely. Was, it was, a, a, it was a, a, big, a big engineering oh, task. Was very much so. And the next thing then that came on top of us was in, in, in June 63 was the Kennedy visit. Okay. And Mahara played a very big role in that because there was no links to America to get the pictures over in those days. So they set up a plane down in Shannon and set up a temporary link from Mahara to Shannon, the CBS crowd did. And... All that stuff uh, covering Kennedy came down the link to Mahara and was extended down to Shannon. So all the the work was down in Wexford, in, in, in New Ross and yeah, all the stuff up in Dublin up, and the address to the doll, the whole lot of it was transmitted down to Mahara. Yeah, well, on, on the link. On the link. And a temporary link from Mahara to, to plane, Shannon. It was recorded on the plane in Shannon and every three or four hours was flown out to, to the States. Back to, to, to the States. Yeah. So that's how that So worked. that... That, uh, that was a ex- serious amount of pressure. It extended the resources and outside broadcasts and everything because... We were in its infancy, like, yeah. uh, even the OB people and all that, the outside broadcast people, it was all new. Well, you certainly, and you died in at the deep end. In, we were in at the deep end. The President yeah. of the United States, that was your first outside broadcast. <laughs> That's right. Never mind an old Munster semi-final or something like that. And he mean, and he was the mayor of New Ross, or maybe Wexford, and uh, the camera crews or somebody uh, disconnected his... Uh, microphone or stepped on it or something and his famous words were we're in not real trouble now a cameraman has disconnected our microphone <laughs> so the, the lighting people and the sound people there was a there was a tangle between them brain. so did that, did that mean a lot of late at night work or was it with the time difference between the states and ireland or what way did you well, work at night up no, there as well we did or, yeah or what did that didn't necessitate uh, at night because it was live stuff during the day here okay. so they had to adjust it in the states but uh, when the moon the moon landings and all that kind of stuff 19 started, july 69 six, we were totally and absolutely working at night then yes uh, eurovision used to come in with uh, 
uh, Neil Armstrong from the moon and all the pre preceding things and all the rest of it. And we had the Churchill funeral at that time. Churchill's funeral. Yeah, which was a very uh, <laughs> sensitive situation. Absolutely. So we had armed guards on the place right. in Nahara in case of an attack or anything. Because of the fact because that you might have been transmitting the funeral we in were, the church? We were transmitting the funeral. And, church, yeah. So RT had security up. That's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. It's just a little taste. Um, I'm going to 10 minutes, but there's about 30 minutes of um, material there with Mick Looney. Some really um, fascinating insights in, into the, the start of Mahara and even as it evolved and developed over, over the years as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just Pretty as he much. was, uh, as he was talking there about the engineering part, but uh, none of the houses in the vicinity could get reception from it because it went out over them. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> For, forever, Marianne. Oh yes, absolutely. It's because it, they're they're in the lee of the oh, yeah. of yeah. the actual mass. Yeah. So it is. Uh, yeah, the irony of it, I think, uh, <laughs> in the transmission of television pictures at that time, the pictures that were experienced by the people of Mahara, Ballycrown, Leer, all those yeah. towns and lists didn't actually come from Mahara. They came from another. They had to. They had, Mahara, had to come I think. Yeah, from another source. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And were there many televisions on Mahara? <laughs> Not really, but uh, <laughs> I suppose. Um, Interesting too was that Paddy Kenny and Peter Hayes went up to do opening night and played live from the top of Mara oh, on the night yeah. it was opened. From uh, the top of Mara. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember we got television early enough, really. Uh, black and white, or so you remember the man on the moon and all that. I remember having the black and white. And yeah. When they break down, uh, snow. We, well, yeah. <laughs> when we, when, when, when the television break down or the valve would go on the back of it, PJ would throw it into the boot and hit from the top of Mahara and he'd knock, <laughs> on, he'd knock on the door. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's the truth. Like, it, and it was great that yeah. uh, we knew all the technicians going up and down the road because uh, Marin alluded to it earlier, like, it's a great world, really, that you had drivers going back. When we were going to Duglown School, we'd come down the road around four, half, three, four o'clock. You'd see the lads going home from their shift was finished. The boys left to drive to Limerick for old PJ Malone, Michael, PJ Malone. Michael Keehan. Um, I suppose Sean McCaffrey was actually had a job in it more than a yeah, driver. He came to work there. He came to work from on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there was a lot of a lot of people really that worked in it over the years. And uh, uh, it, uh, we always remember the big signs at the gates telling you about the height of it and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It was and well, it, what was really good as well was that we ended up with a perfect tarred road, right. uh, better than the roads that were leading to it at the time and. Um, the amount of visitors that came from all over the place and still too to oh, this no, day, it, like it was a huge. I, I was back in West Clare yeah. recently uh, in Crowbaham Pier, just commemorating the, the, the East Clare Brigade going back to West Clare, and the boys were telling me about their trip to the sports in Killinina, and the big day out was to come around the back of Faha and to see Mahara because mm. Mahara. Is, is one of those lights that you always say you're coming near home if you're coming down the motorway yeah, in Galway or coming somewhere right, and you see right. Mahara. Well, at least you can see Mahara. And it gives you that sense that you're coming home. I always think about a, a good old character, Seamus Malai, and he'd say, Apa, Apa, she says, I'm looking across at you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're not answering the phone. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd ring the phone and I mightn't answer it. And he'd say, Apa, I'm looking across at you. You're not answering it. <laughs> but it was actually, um, I think Mike, Mick Looney there talks about this, because I remember it myself. It was a, a destination for a Sunday drive. 
and even up there like your father Pat you could actually and if you think of it now you could actually go up there for your Sunday drive knock on the door go in and those engineers that were running it would show you around right. so you were dealing with keeping a network of television programs on air for the whole of parts of Munster and you were also trying to watch a few young fellas in case they'd flick a switch or turn a knob <laughs> or knock off the whole, you know, that thing. So I, I don't think you'd, you'd, you'd be able to do that today. Well, it really, in a sense, when you think about that particular time around our own area and the, the bishop and the yeah. Killinay and the Camogie Club and all the real changes that were happening in the, in the community around that product, furniture... Like all those things were, they were all coming into being at that yeah, time as well. It's it was a good point. It was, it was a lot of change that time. In I, the sixties, I, I always thought that 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 community always boxed above its weight, really, in a sense of a lot of things happening around it's the time. And then, when you think about the music and and all that, that, yeah. that they were going off. Peter, they were going off all around the world playing music and at the same time it was being broadcast from Mahara, like so uh, look it's just, just kind of funny really I suppose my, my memories of school in Gart going to Gart which I always called the men from the mountain and I got one day after to go back and say how proud I was from that mountain to come from that mountain yes, you know yes. I wouldn't uh, it was kind of alluded that we were kind of mountainy men like yes. but there's a sense of, of, of deja vu about that at times